Hello and welcome to the Big Leads Best of Seven podcast. I am Liam McEwen here today with Kyle Coster and we are here to pick the seven best bets of week nine of the 2021 NFL season. Uh, we came back down to earth a little bit after week seven. We went 12 and one week eight. Last week we went seven and seven, which is not bad at all, but definitely not as good as going almost undefeated. On the year, we're sitting at 57 and 45 for picks against the spread, which is pretty, pretty good. I think that means maybe you should listen to us. No, not, not, not that much. Don't get too mad. But, you know, we, we, we got some things to say. Kyle, how are we feeling? 19 and 8 the last two weeks. That's what I hear. Forget 7 and 7. I like to live my life two weeks at a time. I call it the modified Vin Diesel I think that's a great way to look at it. And that's the sort of mindset that you need to keep succeeding in this league, as well as in this game of picks and predictions. So without further ado, we'll just get started here. Kyle, number seven, the seventh best bet for week nine of the NFL season. What do you got for me? We are going to go with the Cardinals. They are two and a half point favorites over the Niners. Arizona is one turn neck away from being eight and oh. Great game against Green Bay. A.J. Green failed to look at the pass. Had he turned his head, undefeated. We'd be talking about how this is the best team in football. They're very close. Kyler Murray and the offense, very dynamic. Now, the defense, they lost J.J. Watt, but I'm going to tell you what Watt's legacy is going to be this year. He pointed out that that team is simply better than all the ones that they're beating, that it's not smoke, it's not mirrors, it's not a fluke. I think this is going to be a 14-3 and squad. I think that they go, they have a big offensive explosion. The Niners, I am not particularly thrilled or interested and excited by watching them play. I think that Kyle Shanahan has kind of been riding one, one and a half good years to a place in the coaching echelon that he doesn't really deserve overall he's 31 in 39 the quarterback situation is not clear i just think that there's a lot of red flags around this niners team long term and i think that when you have a big divisional game like this the best team wins and i'm just banking on arizona doing enough to get it done here yeah, I like that. I think that this line is this small just because the NFC West has such a reputation of beating the absolute crap out of each other. But the thing is, the Cardinals know the Niners very well. They saw what happened last week where the Bears gave the middle of the field to Jimmy G, which is the only thing you don't do against Jimmy G. They're going to take that away. And I mean, all they have to do is win by a field goal for this bet to cash. I mean, that seems very easy, even if it's in San Francisco. Yeah. And I wonder, I don't know about how much of a home field advantage that is right now. It doesn't seem like everybody's super excited about San Francisco. Think about San Francisco in the abstract before the season. It was like, who, which one of these quarterbacks can win a Super Bowl? Now it's kind of like which one of these quarterbacks and what type of, what type of tricks need to be up Shanahan's sleeve in order to get them just into the tournament. What do we got at number six this week, Liam? Number six, we got, uh, it's not a crazy bet, but I think it's pretty good money. Cowboys are eight and a half point favorites over the Broncos. The Cowboys are at home. 
Uh, obviously, with the, the inclusion of it on the list, we're banking a little bit on the return of Dak Prescott, which feels likely since he was a very last second scratch against the Vikings on Sunday night football this past week. But really, this is about the Broncos more than anything. We know how good the Cowboys are. The Broncos are coming off a wild win in which they had what I firmly to believe without exaggeration to be the worst possession of the entire season where they had the ball up by seven with less than two minutes left. All they had to do was run it a couple times and they basically win. And instead they run it once, fumble it, pass the ball, it falls incomplete and then fumble it again. And then Washington recovers and then the Broncos hang on by some miracle. So you take that tumultuous sequence and combine it with the fact that Von Miller was traded out of nowhere yesterday. Like when a guy of that stature leaves a team that he's been with that with for that long, it means that much to the city, to the franchise. There's usually something. We hear something. We hear Von Miller has asked the team for the trade or his agent has been given permission. To see. We, we, we hear something and we heard nothing. And Melvin Gordon tweeted last night that he was very surprised. I don't think he's the only one in that locker room that's surprised. I really think the Broncos might be reeling this week. And this Cowboys offensive attack strikes like lightning. It's going to be a really big lead early on. I don't have a lot of faith in a backdoor cover from Teddy Bridgewater. I get a special thrill anytime the term big lead is used in conversation. So thank you for that. <laughs> Let me make an analogy here. In a football game, when there's a turnover, what do we often see from the other team? They take a big strike downfield, trying to ride that momentum, trying to surprise the other team. Well, it's still reeling. And I think that's kind of what the Von Miller situation is for Denver. They're going to be walking in there kind of shell-shocked. I think even Cooper Rush can beat the Broncos by eight and a half. So even if Dak Prescott is sideline, I would still pick the Cowboys in this game. I think we're at the point of the season where we need to admit that they're just damn good. I think that there's a lot of correlation and there's a lot in common with Arizona teams playing beyond expectations, but doing it in dynamic ways and proving that they can win even when one facet of their game isn't working to perfection. I think that the Cowboys are really good. Denver, you got to talk about what the ceiling is for the offense week to week. And if Fangio is not able to drag everybody out into the mud and play a sloppy, dirty game, well, you know, it just doesn't, not only does it not bode well for Denver winning, 10 point loss seems very, very reasonable in this situation. At number five, I'm going to be going with the Ravens five and a half point favorites over the Vikings. Now this Minnesota team is really confusing because on one hand, they could be six and two or even seven and one. We could be talking about, are they going to get a buy in the NFC playoff picture on the other? You could say, well, this team is awful and they lose games in disastrous, depressing and routine fashion. I want to give a special shout out to Vikings fans because after years and years and years of being a Lions fan and seeing the, the atrocious ways in which they lose football games, I got to tell you, man, Minnesota does it with ease and they do it with regularity and it's bad and it's ugly and it's painful. You look at the playoff failures. This franchise is not uh, a lot of fun for its fans. I want to talk about my guy, Kirk Cousins. I love you, Kurt. I love you. But look, 
you are not the long-term answer for the Vikings and you're not the long-term answer for anybody else. Baltimore is coming off a bye. We've seen how human cousins can look in that offense, which has good weaponry around him. Baltimore is going to be rested. Lamar Jackson is big play of it. Lamar Jackson has big play capabilities. I don't see this one being particularly close. And I think the Vikings are going to be even outside of backdoor cover range coming down the stretch here. Yeah. I think the Ravens take this one with an all things equal, you know, mindset, but I think the bye week is perhaps the biggest factor here because the Ravens are generally accepted as one of the better coach teams in the entire league and have been for a couple of years. These coaches use that bye week, you know, to their full advantage And not only that, but they are also coming off what I would consider to be easily their worst loss of the season, an important divisional matchup with the Bengals where they got housed in their own house. That has got a sting for them. I think they've been stewing about that for a couple weeks now. And then you have the Vikings who have once again let up a late lead, have once again managed to lose in somehow the most crushing fashion possible despite having a lead in the fourth quarter I mean, I don't know, you know, I think you summed it up pretty well about what the problem is in Minnesota here, but, you know, for Lamar Jackson to keep this, you know, a touchdown game going into the late fourth quarter, maybe Kirk Cousins pulls something out of his hat, but I wouldn't put money on it. I think this is the year that the collective weight of all of these brutal losses finally collapses in on the Vikings, and this one might be three touchdowns before it's over. I love to have a good stew. Uh, of frustration uh you know it's it's good for the soul what do we got at number four it is the season for stew number four we have the falcons five and a half point underdogs against the saints in new orleans this is normally a very bad bet to make but consider the circumstances Jameis winston declared out for the season yesterday with a completely torn acl which thrusts Trevor Simeon into the spotlight, maybe. Taysom Hill has a concussion that he's been working his way back from over the last couple weeks. Who knows what Sean Payton has in store for him. None of us have ever really been able to guess. But likely at this point, we'll say it's likely Trevor Simeon. The Saints are also coming off what I would consider easily their most emotional victory of the season, which always takes a toll the following week. You know, it's kind of hard to get up and get as ready for – the Falcons who are three and four instead of the Bucks, who are defending champions coming to your house. So I don't think the Falcons win this game, not by any means. I think this new Orleans defense is really good, but I do think that it is well within expectation to uh, believe that the Falcons could keep this a field goal game going late into the fourth quarter, because I don't, you know, Trevor Simeon played great against again, against the Bucks, but I don't think even the Falcons secondary is as bad as Tampa Bay's right now. And, you know, you still have to go through that whole mindset adjustment of playing with Trevor Simeon instead of Jameis Winston. I think the Saints take this game. They have too much talent on offense, and the Falcons are not a good football team at all. But I definitely think the Falcons can cover, and that's my best bet. I think in a divisional game like this, the Falcons are intimately familiar with the Saints playbook, which is going to be pared down or definitely not as scary no matter who is the quarterback, you're looking at not option A, not option B, but option C at this point. 
And I think this is kind of what we're going to see for the Saints going forward the rest of the season. I agree that the Falcons are going to cover, and I agree that the Saints are going to win. And I kind of think that New Orleans is going to try to play defense all the way to the Super Bowl like those Broncos did with Peyton Manning and not rely on the quarterback or the Ravens did with Trent Dilfer way back when. It kind of feels like that's their vibe. I think it's kind of fun. I think it'd be really cool to see a quarterback like that playing in huge games just to prove that it can be done a different way as offense has largely been moved to the center of the picture. The Calvin Ridley stuff concerns me a little bit because that Falcons offense is already a little bit sparse in the playmaking position, although they may have the greatest tight end of all time on their roster. And one of these days, his true potential might be unlocked. No one should feel comfortable taking the over in this game. We are in for a slugfest, some old-fashioned slobber knocker football. Yeah, this is the type of game that you throw some money on and then forget about until Sunday night football rolls around because it is not going to be enjoyable to watch. What do you got for us at number three here, Kyle? Expertly done. Um, I'm going with the Chargers. Two and a half point favorites over the Eagles on the road. Now the Justin Herbert hype train has encountered some unfortunate delays lately and the Bolts defense isn't exactly shouting contender. But if you think that this team is playoff caliber and you think that they're going to have the ability to make some noise, this is the game that they have to win. So I'm picking them to win. And if I'm picking them to win, I'm laying the two and a half points because we all know that field goals are the new collarbones. I think that's the phrase. Um, we'll, we'll edit that out. Uh, but no, I just, listen, I mean, it, it's, just, it's as simple as this. I trust the complete picture of the Bolts more than I do the Eagles. Philadelphia went into Detroit and won by 7 million points. But all that proves is that you flew to Detroit and played the Lions, which, you know, those victories, not, not all NFL victories are created equal. So I'm throwing last week's results completely out the window. And I might do that for the Chargers as well, too, because the Patriots, it's a weird team to play against. There's some mind games there. I'm seeing that as a blip in the radar and not a sign of things to come in the future. I still like Los Angeles. I still think that they're going to be put make a push in the AFC, especially following the Derrick Henry injury and it starts in philadelphia on sunday i do think it's a little concerning that the chargers had their worst offensive performance of the season against the ravens had a bye week to figure things out and then didn't look that much better but uh against the patriots but like you said bill belichick weird stuff happens he's an aggressive and creative play caller on defense the eagles do not have a Bill Belichick, we'll say politely. And I mean, I don't, I don't believe in the Eagles any more than you do, Kyle. I mean, the, all the Lions game really approved other than a flight to Detroit was that they have a pretty good run game and that's going to be a bit of a problem for the Chargers to be sure. But this offense, uh, the Los Angeles offense can only be tamed for so long. And even when they didn't look very good against the Patriots, they still only lost by three. So you flip that you flip that score a little bit, you change one or two penalties going the wrong way, and we're, we're having a different discussion here. I think two and a half points is a really small line, if only because the Chargers do not 
win by a couple points. Their closest win has been by five points against the Browns on uh, in October, early October there. If they're going to win, it's going to be by a touchdown or more, and we're looking at all they need is a field goal. So, Throughout the season, if anybody's charting this, and I hope you're not, you should have better things to do, but you can kind of see that my philosophy, if a game is within a field goal, I don't care about home. I don't care about road. I'm simply picking what team I think is better in the long term. I've been riding the Packers like that for several weeks. It's worked out every single time. I think the Cardinals as well is a team that I've favored when it when it comes to that. And just trusting that the team that is better, that needs the win in the big picture longer is going to rise to the occasion, especially if the line is within three. That's a little teaser for the number one pick. But first, the number two pick, Liam. All right, I'm going to get a little crazy here, Kyle. This is not the type of game that people normally want to touch with a 10-foot pole, much less bet on. And the net viewership for this particular game will probably be under 15,000 people. But the Texans, hear me out, the Texans are seven-point underdogs against the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. That seems like a big advantage to a Miami team that is also one in seven and looks downright awful. The Texans are not a good team. They have also had the misfortune of having to play some pretty good teams the last two weeks, which is why they were double digit underdogs two weeks in a row. You got the Cardinals and then you got the Rams. Nobody's doing it. A team like the Texans, they're not going to be close, but they have been able to play mediocre teams pretty well to this point. Opening week, they beat the Jaguars by 16. Obviously Tyrod Taylor was there and now he's not, but you look at week four, Patriots. Patriots, nobody really knows what they are yet or what kind of team they are, but they're not a great team. And the Texans almost won that game. They legitimately were in it for like three and a half quarters. I think this Texans team is the type that can raise to the competition when that competition is average at best. The Dolphins are not very good at all. And really, I think Houston can sense when they have a chance to win a game. They do not have many chances this year. Everybody recognizes that, but they know they can win this one. I think that David Culley is going to pull out whatever stops he has to at least keep this one close. And frankly, the difference between Davis Mills and Tua Tungabailoa is not as big as their draft statuses would suggest in terms of performance this season. So I don't think the Texans are necessarily going to win this game, but I do think that giving seven points to the Dolphins, even at home, is extremely high. And I think there's some free money to be had by banking on the Texans, keeping it close, if only because the Dolphins suck. Do you think there was ever a time where people actually had 10-foot poles? Like you went over to their house and you're like, this is my 10-foot pole. I feel like if I was over at somebody's place and they instructed me to look at their 10-foot pole, I would quickly leave and uh, maybe get them on a watch list. But no, I agree. The Dolphins... They're close to winning games and they're close to looking record wise, like a team that went 10 and six on one hand, but they're also close to being winless on the other, because a lot of these close games are cosmetically close. Like they don't have a real chance to win the game. I don't think that there's a huge gulf in terms of talent between the dolphins and the Texans with the caveat there is when Tua has time to throw the football, the big problem, he doesn't. So he's never able to like tap into like even give us a glimpse of what he might be long-term, which has made the evaluation process really hard. I love taking a free touchdown. I love doing it in a game like this where neither team has huge aspirations about the future. 
where one team is likely to either quit or just look totally discombobulated. There's a 30, 35% chance that's the Dolphins. And if that happens, then the Texans are definitely going to cover easily because the Dolphins playing a poor game of football by their standards is nothing that even the worst team in football, which the Texans aren't. They're the Lions now. I know that last week I said, if you asked anybody who the worst team in football is, no one would say the Lions. Well, you know what? Now everybody would say the Lions and things change in a week. So I am totally on board with that pick. All right, Kyle, give us the top pick. What is our number one here? Well, continuing a theme, it is the Packers getting three points against the Chiefs. Aaron Rodgers just proved he was the older alpha against an ascending quarterback in Kyler Murray. He gets another chance to prove it against a slightly more established one in Patrick Mahomes. My opinion, Green Bay's the best team in football since week two. Mahomes struggled last night. Are you kidding me? Like needing to eke out a win against the Giants at home. I know that their record says that they're four and four. And I know a win counts as a win in the standings, but good God, like if now is not the time to at least like start being legitimately concerned about what's going on in Kansas city, then, then it's never going to come. I think that Rogers is playing some of the best, most inspired football of his life. He's locked in for my money. I still think he's the best quarterback in football, especially what's happened to Mahomes. time and time again. I've picked green Bay to win. I'm going to stick with that. I honestly just think that they're the better team. I don't care that they're on the road. The giants, as I mentioned before, winning their kept things within three points on Monday night football. If they can do that, well, God, the Packers can too. Yeah, the Chiefs currently exist in the weird realm that only a couple of teams, if any, exist in every year where the odds makers are still a little intimidated by how good they used to be. So they keep giving them some generous lines. Like after watching the Chiefs last night, how could anybody give them you know, even if they're at home again, you know, how much does that really matter when the team isn't that good, but how could anybody give them points over green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, who just beat the only undefeated team in football. I think that the time is now strike while the iron is hot and keep taking advantage of this because this is probably the last, if this goes as we are predicting on this podcast this is probably the last week that we get some lines slanted towards Kansas city where they don't deserve it. Yeah. And, and this has been a hot streak for Green Bay. I think if I'm a better, I'm continuing to put my money on them. This is a great price. I mean, even if they lose by a field goal, that's a push. Awesome. I trust Aaron Rodgers, and I will continue to trust Aaron Rodgers. And I think you should especially trust Aaron Rodgers this week because last week we saw what happened when he was put up against a young upstart star quarterback who's coming for the throne of the best QB in the NFL. This is the first time. Aaron Rodgers has ever played Patrick Mahomes, I think he's going to come out and show out. And that, you know, like you said, Kyle, at worst, we're looking at a Kansas City squeak by win that by a field goal. There's no universe in which they win by more points than that. At best, Packers win by a tutty and you have a comfortable bet. And that concludes this week's episode of Best of Seven, the seven best bets in the NFL this week. Hoping that we're going to keep our, uh, you know, our upward trend going here. We're feeling good. We'll see you next week. This is Lee McEwen and Kyle Coster signing off.
Thank you.